0: And in just 15 seconds from now, it'll be 1990.
1: Here we go. The leap second will be accounted for in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year!
0: Well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast starring Jay from The Sexy Armpit and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula.
1: Let me take you back to a time when George Bush was in office. Mm, Which one? Uh, Senior. Oh. Yeah. Universal Studios Florida opened up and John Gotti was arrested. Could you tell me what year that was? Mm, John Gotti. I'd have to
2: ask my uncle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think you're talking about 1990. You are correct. What a year that was.
1: Yeah, there's so many tremendous things that happened that year that I figured, let's talk about 1990 on the Purple Stuff podcast.
2: Yeah, I think I was in the fifth grade in most of 1990, went into the sixth grade at the end of it. And for me, it's like the last year when I really, really felt like a kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you feel kind of roundabout same- I kind of still
1: feel like one, to be honest with you. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It's yeah, sort of no, like, you're,
2: once you start getting into junior high and growing up a bit, you kind of have to, like, act a little older than you are.
1: Right. Smoke cigars. Smoke cigars.
2: Play some poker. Yeah. Stop calling it pool. Start calling it billiards. <laughs> Wear pinstripe suits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> billiards. Oh. <laughs> yeah, my billiard suit. Being an adult doesn't sound so bad anymore. <laughs> but you know what I mean, it's like when you're just totally free to obsess over completely trivial bullshit.
1: Uh, when it was 1990, I was still kind of really in kid mode, so it wasn't for another couple of years, uh, probably another, I was like 20 when I finally yeah, felt that. <laughs> uh, talking to the wrong person about this particular <laughs> concept. Yeah. So we've come up with a bunch of things from 1990, like we've done in the past. We've done other years. And what do we
2: do? We've done 86, we've done 92, and now we're doing 1990. There is just no conceivable order <laughs> to any of this. Like, you can't figure out a pattern, no matter how hard you try.
1: I actually like it that way. I prefer it that way, because yeah. it's, it's just too easy to keep keep go in order. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we have a bunch of stuff that we came to the table with tonight to talk about. Who's going to start this evening? Um, I'm going to flip a coin. Okay. And I'm going to be completely
2: legit about this. I know you can't see it. Okay. But I promise I won't lie. All right. Call
1: heads or tails. Okay. Heads. It's heads. Yeah. All right. I will start with my first pick from
0: 1990. Number one. <laughs>
1: Alone is bringing down the house.
0: Excellent, I love this movie. Terrific. Heads up! Ah. Yes! I loved it. Is there a movie better than Home Alone? I don't think so. There's no place like Home Alone.
1: Ah. Rated PG. Now playing at a theater near you. Home Alone is my first pick from
2: 1990.
1: <laughs> and the score that was just beautifully hummed by Matt, by John Williams, one of the biggest films of 1990. Written and produced by John Hughes and directed by Chris Columbus, which is dream team. It's a dream team. It's like a one two punch because I mean that you can't get any better. And I think sometimes I'll talk to people and they don't realize that it was a John Hughes movie, you know, and that's huge because he had such a string of hits in the 80s and early 90s that this one was for me really hit home for me. Macaulay Culkin, I guess he was around the same age as me in this film. so well, I re- Yeah, around that. Yeah, I really related to it. So his character, Kevin, as everyone knows, gets left at home while his family's on vacation. And then he's got to defend his house from burglars, the Wet Bandits. Yep. So I saw this opening night at the now defunct Lowe's Plaza 8 Theater in Seacaucus, which was a really, really nice theater. That's very specific. Yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> So the reason why I connected to the movie, not only because Kevin seemed like he was my age, but more so because I put myself into his shoes because I loved being home alone when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. that's the best shit ever. Yeah, it was like one of my favorite things. And as an adult, it's hard to capture that feeling again because unless you have like a wife and kids who are out of town visiting Aunt Laura and Uncle Arthur. But right. my, you know, my parents used to go out for the night. My sister was supposed to be watching me and then she'd come to me and she'd be like, you know, I'm gonna go out with my friends. She was, Is that cool? Yeah. yeah, of course. Get the hell out of here, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yep. So, so I, so I gotta just... say, like, I still feel
2: that way. Like when my girlfriend leaves for like yeah. a day or two. Yeah, I just can't wait to
1: order pizza and wear her clothes and (laughs) just go to town. I love having the house to myself. I, I love it. It's such a great feeling. And there's a crazy scene in the movie where Kevin realizes he's actually left alone in the house, and he runs all over the house screaming, jumping on the bed, and like I appreciate that scene because it really gives you the idea of just how happy he was. And The minute the door latched and my parents would leave, it was like this wonderful freedom came over me, you know? And I never did anything more than, like, read comics or eat snacks and stay up really late, but there was just that great feeling that I had. So Right. And and this movie, Home Alone, was like, it was a new feeling for that movie. Like, it was a very novel approach. There hadn't been a movie like this for us when we were kids. It was, like, made directly for us as kids, you know? Well, I think it was one of those movies that
2: was just, like, if it had been done by most people it would have been so hokey yeah and the fact that it was still like it was actually really good yeah as kids even as kids you recognize when you're being served shit Mm -hmm. and we knew this was like actually a good movie and so like we really we went crazy for this one
1: one of the coolest funniest parts of the movie for me john candy makes a cameo as gus polinsky the polka king of the midwest Uh uh-huh the Kenosha Kickers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of the best cameos of all time. It legitimized the
2: movie. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, John Candy's here.
1: Yeah. Shit's on.
2: Yeah, it's on
1: now. Yeah. Oh! S- <laughs> well, I think older generations, they hold It's a Wonderful Life Miracle on 34th Street in high regard. But for me, uh, movies like this one and Christmas Vacation are our generation's beloved Christmas movies.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, when you hear about It's a Wonderful Life and all those movies, you know, you kind of just play along. Mm -hmm. You don't want to disrespect the legendary films, but the truth is you don't want to watch them. Yeah. So it's like, (laughs) I'm going to watch this or I'm going to watch Home Alone, you know? Yeah. It's not much of a contest. There's micro machines in Home Alone.
1: Yeah, and starting a lineup. Yeah. <laughs> and Buzz's girlfriend. Oh, can I just, like, <laughs> say about
2: Buzz? Yeah. He, I mean, he's a total asshole. Just a reprehensible character. Everyone hated Buzz. Yeah. That motherfucker had the coolest fucking bedroom of all time.
1: Yeah, cool bedroom, definitely. <sighs> Holy shit. Lights, neon lights and pet tarantulas, Boglins. Could you imagine when all those shelves fell on Kevin? Do you remember that scene? Oh, of course. I was so pissed me? at him because I love those shelves. I, can't I was say, could you he imagine them. if that happened to me? I might have had a heart attack, like right on the spot. Yeah, a giant tarantula on your face. No, I was just saying, all the toys falling, Oh, my holy shit. <laughs> yeah, of course. God, that. I didn't even think of that. Obsessive compulsive. Yes, anal retentive <laughs> Jay. Yeah, like
2: who? Like you're like uh, fucking Kathy Bates in Misery, noticing the penguin backwards. <laughs> Like, holy shit, I think you would literally explode. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to out you here on something. uh Uh-oh. One of your greatest fucking fears. (laughs) One of my greatest fears? Yeah, the basement scene in Home Alone. Oh, my
1: God. You're absolutely right. Yep. Kevin goes down into the basement, and the boiler, like, comes to life, and he's, like, monstrous.
2: Yeah, like, total, like, Disney movie villain.
1: That stuff used to happen to me running down into the basement. It's another reason why I could really relate to this character, you know. But, I mean, he had so many cool lines. Everybody quotes from Home Alone. But, like. We still do. I was going to say, I'll leave you uh, with this one. Bless this highly nutritious microwavable macaroni and cheese dinner <laughs> and the people who sold it on sale. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I for- actually forgot that one. It's such I-, a- I loved oh, that one when uh, I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's a great pick. You
1: started off strong. Oh, thanks. What's your first pick, Matt?
2: Hmm, let's
0: see. Number two.
1: Shell in the heroes floor in this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high with buggings mysterious. All police and detectives are curious because they can't find the source of this lethally evil force. This is serious, so give me a quarter. I was a witness, get me a report. All April O'Neill in on this case, and you better hurry up. The very first
2: live action Ninja Turtles movie came out in March of 1998. And, obviously, that was a huge deal for me. Very big. Oh, giant. I saw it with my brother on opening day, and it was, like, back before movie theaters had really figured out how to, like, handle crowds. Mm. You remember when you used to go to movies and it would be a really long line, it would actually go out of the theater? Yeah. And it would go, like, wrap around the theater and, like, kind of back again. Yeah, that's how it was
1: for uh, for Batman, right?
2: Right, so it was like we were on one of those lines, and he was dying to go home, like, please, please, let (laughs) me stay.
1: (laughs) So that movie completely ruled my world, and I liked the turtles, I was a casual fan, but I that movie was undeniably. I think my
2: biggest regret about you in general is that the turtles thing just didn't seem to really connect. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's, it's like I I did. Like, that's the thing. Like I know a lot about it. I watch the shows. I you know I was I've seen all the movies. It just it wasn't the same. I think for me, it just uh, wasn't your bag. It was it, no. It, I like it. It's just like I'm just not as obsessive as. Uh, with that, as I am with some other stuff. Okay, I can understand yeah. that. But the movie, that first and second movie, like I love those movies. Like love them. They're beautiful films. <laughs> they are. But
2: since I have a couple of other movies that I care about even more
1: that I want to talk about tonight, mm-hmm.
2: I'm going to move past the Ninja Turtles movie and focus on one song from its soundtrack. Ooh. Turtle Power by Partners in Crime. I love it. Yeah, I guess I don't need to ask if you remember that one.
1: Turtle Power, (laughs) so
2: good. So they haven't done much else since then. Partners in Crime. If you've never, I I know that's (laughs) an understatement. But if you've never heard their work, I kind of like compare them to a slightly angrier Grandmaster Flash, and that's pretty accurate, right? Yeah, I mean, I ran Mr. Da- Flash, but he's pissed off.
1: Yeah, I mean, they definitely had a, a New York kind of vibe to them. And um, they actually had a, a string of two songs, I think, in their career. <laughs> yeah, Well,
2: you know, what do you do? You got nowhere to go but down. You don't start off with Turtle Power. You end with Turtle Power. You got to build <laughs> to a crescendo. They're musicians. They should know that. <laughs> so uh, I know some people like to write this one off as a novelty song, but I
1: still think it's like a
2: damn fine, good song.
1: Yeah, it's really, really good.
2: Have you ever seen the video?
1: I don't know. Maybe oh, I need to punch
2: it in? You might, because oh, let me explain it first, and then you then you can confirm what I'm telling you. All right. So the video has, of course, clips from the film, like all of these soundtrack videos do, but it also has shots of partners in crime palling around with the live-action Ninja Turtles out on the New York City streets. I do. I do remember now, yes. Right. But the key fact here is that neither of the partners in crime can get one line out without spewing that wintry steam breath. <laughs> you have to watch this video. They look like impotent
1: dragons.
2: They're just like every fucking line. There's smoke coming out of their head.
1: <laughs> I need to watch this. Yeah, I now. think you do. I'm going to put it on. All right, let's see. Partners in Crime. T-U-R-T-L-E. T-U-R-T-L-E. Oh! Powwow okay so i've got it playing oh my god you're right yeah it it doesn't (laughs) stop it doesn't stop it's like how was it two degrees (laughs) they filmed it in a giant refrigerator right it's like obviously they're not going to add cg breath yeah there's a lot of dragon breath going on yeah it's incredible this is classic stuff
2: yeah so one last note about this song i don't know if you'll remember this but it's infamous actually Because it suggests that not Leonardo, but Raphael is the leader of the Turtles.
1: That was popular when we were young. A lot of kids used to, for some reason, they would confuse that and they didn't understand. But in the cartoon theme song, they say, Leonardo leads. Well, I mean, he is, Leonardo's the leader in both the cartoon and
2: clearly in the movie. Right. But as a huge Raphael mark, I use this song to basically parade the idea That he really did lead the Turtles. You just had to view the show and the movie through a certain lens. And, like, I totally fucking
1: knew it was wrong, but it's like, I was was still going to use it. You know, it's so interesting that you brought this up because this is a perfect opportunity. I, I really do think that you could extrapolate some sort of, like, psychology out of this Turtle thing because... When you look at who the leader is and the dynamics of the team, and I'm yeah. not going to get boring here, because I think this is actually really interesting. When I was a kid, uh, Raphael was the bomb.com. Like, I loved him. He was so Sarcastic cool. So cast the motherfucking awesome dude who saw a fucking Critters movie. He was like the outcast. He always wanted to be on his own and, yeah. like, go dress up and leave the guys. <laughs> but, like, as I got older, I realized I'm like... I'm a Michelangelo guy. You are absolutely a Michelangelo
2: <laughs> guy. It's so funny because most kids were Michelangelo, you've yeah. actually gone reverse.
1: That's exactly it because when I was a kid I was like I, I was like, "Oh, come on. Of course you like Michelangelo. Every fucking kid likes Michelangelo." Right, right. So I had to be the outcast that like Raphael. Yeah.
2: For me it was always Raphael and Donatello and the other two can go fuck themselves. <laughs> and it was it was that way back then and it's still that way.
1: Yeah, I mean everybody's got their favorite, but I mean it's especially in that nineteen ninety movie. I mean is the best.
2: Yeah, he's uh he was pretty good. I'll give the devil is due.
1: <laughs> oh
0: a fellow Chucker, eh? Number three. Needing, waiting for you to justify my love. I'm open and ready for you to justify my love.
1: Justify. My next pick is the Justify My Love music video <sighs> single from Madonna on VHS. <sighs> of course, it is. <laughs> and this. Doesn't sound offbeat if you know me because I'm a big Madonna fan, but basically she had a controversial music video that was banned by MTV and it made its way to VHS directly and it became this very high selling VHS music video single, which really hadn't been done before that where an artist released a music video to VHS. Right.
2: Now, can I ask you a question though? Yeah so i watched the video today this is something that flew under my radar back in 1990 i wasn't very hip back then (laughs) so you say it was banned and that's what i've heard too but it's so
1: over the top for 1990 was it like made to be banned it seems like that was the idea because this was like so purposely you know madonna was always doing controversial things you know right So it seems so perfectly planned that it was the single off of her Greatest Hits album that came out. The holidays were approaching. Like, let's drop this controversial video, and it'll trump up sales. Right. It just seems
2: like I'm watching this video. I'm like, this is clearly not something that anyone could have thought was not going to get flagged by a network.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this was a black-and-white video that was very, like, sexually explicit, and there was all kinds of weird imagery and kind of... uh, Yeah, there's nipples, and uh, it was very dreamlike. It was um, kind of sadomasochism and voyeurism and latex and lingerie, and it was eventually parodied in uh, a Wayne's World sketch. which was really funny, but... Right, right. There was all kinds of ambiguous stuff going on, and you didn't really know if this was... Supposed to be a dream, or Madonna's imagination, or if it was just like somebody's vision, or whatever. Yeah. But the imagery goes well with the song, and what's interesting about the song is that uh, it wasn't her typical s- song. You know, when you listen to this, it was—it's actually before its time because most of her songs, when you listen to them now from back then, are pretty dated. You could say, "Oh, that's from '85." That's from '86. This you could listen to now. And it sounds like it held up, actually. It's not, like, exactly a pop song. Right, exactly. It's this weird, like, trip-hop song.
2: Right, so those don't age. It's like, if you're in the mood for that kind of stuff, any of it will do. Exactly,
1: yeah. So, basically, they said, let's uh, put this out on VHS. So, you know, naturally, Mom, I need this raunchy, sexually explicit Madonna video ASAP. Right, right most moms would say get the fuck out of here well, you're uh, just yeah just for the for the record you would have been in the fourth freaking grade yeah like most parents would say you're 10 go clean your room but I like my mom was the best and she indulged my madonna thing so, <laughs> so mom, how did they was it like where did you get it she wound up getting the tape i think it might have been like sam goody or you know oh. one of the music stores but i remember they were selling it out so quickly but we were lucky to get it that first day it came out
2: now can i ask you were you comfortable watching things
1: like this in front? of your parents well a video like that it was i didn't really it's not like i watched it like in front of them or anything but they used to kind of sort of help me in certain ways because they premiered the video on like nightline and it yeah. was super, it was like late at night and i wanted my dad to record it so he recorded it and they showed it on there I'm like they didn't really care you know were really yeah, cool yeah. but anyway the tape itself came in this black slip case and it was just this cardboard slip case there was nothing on it so it looked like this CD underground video. Oh, really? There might have been writing on the plastic cellophane that it was Madonna. Right. Just, so you knew what it was. But it, you looked at it. You didn't know what it was. Yeah, it was so, so cool. bizarre. Yeah. And eventually, being that the video was banned, eventually, I think they might have started playing it at some point. But do you remember the box, which was like a TV station that you could like, it was like a jukebox where you would call up and pay for a video. And then they would play it. Do you remember this? No, I, I don't. Okay. So <laughs> I, I, I When you said you remember the box, I thought you were like making a euphemism. No. Uh, <laughs> there was a TV station that was on certain cable companies and it was called the box, right? And yeah. it would just be revolving like numbers would say, oh, you know, press 6969 if you want Justify My Love from Madonna. And you'd call up, press it in. And then, like, if you were the first in the queue, it would come up. Oh. It, it was amazing. It was the most, like. So it, it was like a television video jukebox? Yes. It was so
2: fucking cool. Oh, my God. A TVJ. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that does yeah. sound amazing. It was so awesome. And so on there, I used to be able to play because it wasn't banned on there, you know. So, and the video's not really racy by today's standards, but for some reason, you feel like you need to go to penance after you watch it, you know? Yeah, totally. It's like, um,
2: (laughs) it seems like it's like the undercurrent of shame or something. Number
0: four. Do was as Super Mario Brothers 3 from Nintendo. Now you're playing
2: with power.: So 1990 marked the North American debut of Super Mario Brothers 3, which obviously was a big, big deal for everyone
1: in the universe except you. you no, you know what? I remember when that came out. I felt like 2 was a big deal as well, but 3 must have been a bigger deal. People have grown much
2: fonder of 2 as the years have gone on because it's so much different than every other Mario game. Uh But at the time, it was kind of a little bit weird. Yeah. Super Mario 3 was basically like the first game on steroids or whatever cliche you want to toss out there on the air. Oh, I got you. It was a much bigger deal, and... I'm probably wrong about this, but I always felt like it was the last really big Nintendo Entertainment System game Mm -hmm. before they switched to the Super Nintendo. Oh, I got you. I mean, this is the one where you could turn Mario into a mutant raccoon. was like, do you
1: really really not play this back then? Well, I mean, you know that I didn't have Nintendo. When I was a kid, I had uh, Sega Master System.
2: Right, but I, I still think there would be like an osmosis effect because I actually didn't have this game until it was very much old news. Mm-hmm.
1: But a friend of mine did, and like all that year, we were in his basement playing this game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I played it, and I I used to watch my friends play it. The same thing. My buddy's basement, he used to have this whole setup with all these games and whatnot. And I remember when that came out, because they had a big poster of it on their wall down there. Right. It's just that, you know, I felt like with Super Mario, the simple game, that first original game, how like it was just nice and simple, and you could memorize the whole game. Yeah. Like, I, I like that concept. Once they started getting a little bit too... See, but that's the thing. Super Mario 3 was a lot like that. Yeah. I mean,
2: once you've played it a million times, at least it felt like that. <laughs> yeah. So this this is going to totally go over your head, but I have to mention it. Okay. So a very random memory about this game. One all of right. the very late stages, I think it's called the airship level on World 2. Uh-huh. Basically, Mario, just the whole level is one giant wooden flying ship. Do you remember this at all? Um. I don't know. I'm going to look it, it up. Was, basically, it was like the ship from Spaceballs, but me and I would. Look up World 2 airship.
1: Okay. Yeah, you know, I got to say, I... I don't know if I remember that, but no, I'll that's, just that's go okay. With... But you see that it's a big fucking wood
2: ship. Yeah, it's a giant wooden ship. Right. So I was obsessed with this ship as a kid. I don't know why. Something about the architecture or the just sheer size of it just got to me. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to draw it. So what I did is I got a big stack of loose leaf paper and I draw small portions on each sheet. Uh huh. And then when I was done, I taped it all together and I had this like twenty page fucking parade. <laughs> of the worst looking super mario airship you've ever seen like it looked nothing like it It looked looked like nothing but i was so proud i right? tacked that shit up my wall
1: it, it looks like noah's ark or something
2: right right i guess that's what drew me in i've always been big on the noah tale <laughs> well, i'm trying to think of something that you might have a connection to with this game and how about the happy meal toys
1: Um, there's a princess in this, isn't
2: there? (laughs) 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 (laughs)
0: Number five, Ferris Bueller.
1: Various Bueller, the TV series. Do you remember
2: this, Matt? I have heard of it, but I did not watch it as a kid.
1: It was very short lived, and it was like blinking, you'll miss it. And it, it was ba- obviously based off the movie that came out four years previous, right. which is it's like the kind of stuff they pull nowadays on TV, where like, hey, ten years ago there was a movie, and now we're gonna make a TV show about <laughs> we're it. We're a little <laughs> late, but <Yeah. laughs> a couple of bigwigs couldn't agree. Yeah, <laughs> so it was directly based off the film. They tinkered with the storyline a little bit, and you know, I wasn't big on them referencing the film the way they did because they tried to insinuate that they made the movie about the real ferris bueller they referenced the movie in the tv show right which is weird yeah he says you know like matthew broderick played him in the in the movie and then like in the beginning in the pilot charlie schlotter who plays uh Ferris Bueller takes a chainsaw and he like gets a cardboard standee of Matthew Broderick and he like cuts it in half and What wait 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 what why? Yeah, I guess that was their way of saying, like, this is not the Ferris Bueller you know, you know, this is like Are you kidding? You said, All right, I'm gonna commit to watching this pilot, and you watch it and you're like Why the fuck would you cut my hero in half like that? Wait a minute.
2: You're saying this show, the actual series that was on television, opens with a shot of new Ferris taking a chainsaw to a cardboard version of the old Ferris? Yes. That can't be true.
1: It's, It's so true. He cuts him in half and- not only that, but basically saying that he was just a knockoff that they used for the movie, which that they made about this dude's life. So anyway, the, the show was pretty much like shat upon, you know? Yeah. And there's not much saving graces from it. But when I was a kid, I didn't know any better. I was just really happy they were making a first Bueller TV show. So there was a few good things about it here and there. but. This was around the time when Parker Lewis Can't Lose and The Fresh Prince of Bel Air all premiered like within a month of each other. Right. I feel like Parker Lewis won that war. Yeah, they did. And, and both of those shows like lasted longer than this one. This one only lasted like a season.
2: Right. But I, if, if I recall things correctly, like I remember Parker Lewis obviously felt like it was a Ferris Bueller show. Yeah. And then I heard about the Ferris Bueller show, but from the promos and whatever, you could totally tell that it wasn't as good.
1: Right, yeah. Parker Lewis was, like, so much better. Yeah. And it's still watchable today, enjoyable, you know. But explaining everything was the fact that John Hughes never gave his blessing to the show. Like, they even stated that the show was taking place in Santa Monica, California, not in Chicago, which is the Ferris Bueller story was in Chicago. Right. And it didn't have that classic Ferris Bueller feel to it, but it was eventually replaced with Blossom. <laughs> oh, my God. So, in a, yeah. in a way
2: this crazy ferris bueller show gave birth to blossom yeah
1: yeah yeah. blossom bialik wow yeah that's some trivia yeah i'll say i'll leave it as this uh amy Dolans as sloan and jennifer aniston as genie so there you go oh jennifer aniston was in it yeah yeah that's probably the first thing i saw jennifer aniston in when i was a kid i had no idea i guess i've never seen this show yeah it, it really wasn't that good but it always stayed with me
2: so i uh, i have to say while you've been talking i've been typing yeah and i think i found the scene that you're talking
1: about yeah oh my god um, can i can hey, i just see it a yeah little bit? you definitely should play it matthew broderick as me made- Oh my no God,
0: way.
2: he really does have a cardboard cutout like of Matthew Broderick. He he
0: two, He's dimension. putting
2: on glasses. He just shook a two, chain two, so I have his closet. <laughs> oh my God, this is not, He he's cutting him in half. How could they, they just chat all over the original Ferris?
1: I know, it's this blasphemy. Wow, God, that's uh, some
2: renegade dark shit right there
0: number six we told you the rules
1: remember the first one you can't get them wet don't let them uh, eat after midnight w- what if they're eating in an airplane and they cross the time zone i mean it's always midnight somewhere
0: <laughs> you didn't listen now was that civilized no clearly not Bamboo! gremlins 2 the new batch
2: rocking your way this summer rated pg-13 Starts Friday, May 18th at a theater near you. Okay, this is a big one. Big, 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 big one.
1: Oh, yeah? What's that?
2: Gotta be considered the biggest event of my personal
1: 1990, perhaps my entire life. I think I know what this is. Uh
2: Uh-huh. The Mm -hmm. theatrical debut of Gremlins 2. Oh, man. (sighs) Um, Unbelievable.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) Always. I mean, like, I go back and forth a little bit, but it's always in the running for my all-time favorite movie. I could not love Gremlins 2 more than I
1: do. It's amazing.
2: It's a movie about a gremlin invasion that manages to have subplots about infidelity and vampires who want to be news reporters. Like, there is nothing that this movie doesn't have. <laughs> and it's very timely with Clamp. And, like, he's like a Trump character. Yes, that's true. It's uh, Though it's like a Trump character that you can actually like. Yeah. That's the thing about this movie, you know, forget the gremlins. There are like fifty human characters and they're all the best. Yeah. Every single person in that movie is fucking best. Yeah. The photographer, the the March, the one who microwaves things. All of them are the best. Yeah, Grandpa
1: Fred. Oh, Grandpa Fred.
2: (laughs) I love Grandpa Fred. I do too. (laughs) So I was majorly into the original movie when it came out in eighty-four. Mm -hmm. And I never stopped caring about it. Like, even when it was completely dead, the franchise was completely quiet. Right. I had pictures of Gizmo up on my wall, I had Gremlins figures on my dresser. Yep. So this was the first time in my life when I was really into the idea of a sequel. Like, I'd seen sequels before, but this was the first time that I understood the draw of a sequel. Right. Like, so this thing you love coming back to life. I don't know, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, of course. I'm just trying to think if there was any other sequels during... Well, 80s. I mean, that that was a bit. Yeah, that was a big sequel, although I mean,
2: there were there were huge sequels all throughout the 80s and stuff. But it's just this was the one that, like, I like, wow, my God, I'm going to get another movie from this thing that I love so much. <laughs> oh, I can't did, believe it. I can't believe it.
1: Did you you talk like Jack Palance when you were a kid? <laughs> you are my number one. I...
2: You remember how I was with Cloverfield Lane oh yeah me too that like that level of just letting the movie completely take control
1: of your life oh right yeah Yeah. i mean like with gremlins 2 the only difference to me between the first one and this one is that like the first one was i think more of a horror film like even though it was fun and cute and adorable it was still like a horror film because there was some really frightening stuff for kids in that movie which i loved
2: yeah. I mean I mean I would say that you're accurate to call it a horror movie in Gremlins Two maybe not. But I also think the first one was sort of just like a E. T. like fantasy.
1: Yeah, it was a fantasy it was like a fantasy horror movie, you know. Right. And then like this the sequel really went for more laughs, which I, I really did enjoy. I like I love it. Totally spoofed itself and I usually hate spoofs, but holy
2: crap was this one good
1: yeah and it was like so meta and and it was smartly written and like the cameos that oh, was amazing Hulk hogan in the movie theater that is such a classic scene okay you guys listen up People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Do I have to come up there myself? Do you think the Grimsters can stand up to the hoster? Well, if I were you, I'd run the rest of Gremlins too right now.
2: Sorry, folks. It won't happen again. I always make this comparison. Whenever I see a movie that has a lot of stuff in it, I say that's a Gremlins 2 movie. Yeah. Because I've never seen another movie that has more in it. Like, every second, there's something going on. Yeah. And it's all over the top. I, and even I, if people are out, are out at dinner, like, they're bringing, like, giant life-size chocolate <laughs> moose heads to the table. It's <laughs> like, no stone is left unturned. Totally crack-addled movie.
1: One of my favorite things about the movie is Brain Gremlin. Of course. There's just so much good in it. And then you got little nods to classic horror films. Like, they have Christopher Lee in the film. Yep. You know, and little things here and there that that they were able to incorporate, like Joe Dante clearly had a vision with this. But what I really loved, I mentioned Grandpa Fred before, and I, I feel like in about maybe 30, 40 years, we're going to be calling you Grandpa Matt. <laughs> That's
2: totally my future. It's going to be me and a cross-eyed puppet named Eagle. In terms of feel-good stories and movies, Grandpa Fred... I could tear up just thinking about Grandpa Fred yeah his trajectory <laughs> in that movie he starts down here and he ends way up here <laughs> and it's just so great to see
0: <laughs> I went into broadcasting and I thought I was going to do news public affairs
1: something meaningful
0: number seven dance
1: rush, that booms I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom deadly when I play a dope melody Anything less than the
0: best is a felony, love it or leave it, you better gain weight, you better hit bulls out the kid don't play. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it, check out the hook while my DJ revolves it.
1: I've been known to rock a mic like a vandal, light up a stage, and wax a chump like a candle. Does that sound familiar to you, Matt? Yes, you say it all the time. That is a lyric from Ice Ice Baby, Vanilla Ice's uh, big hit single off of the album To the Extreme. Uh-huh. And my pick here is To the Extreme, which is just such a big album for me when I was a kid. Not necessarily because it's really good, only because... At the time, it was, like, the hottest thing in the world, you know? Yeah, I mean, in its way, yes. I mean, at the time, there wasn't anything bigger. For a little, I'd say maybe less than a year, he had his his time at the top. And So were you one of those kids who, like, dressed <laughs> like ice? Yeah, I was going to say. did the hair and all that? Once he hit mainstream success with this album is when it obviously came to me because a lot of people had this album called Hooked that he came out with, and that was basically to the extreme, but it was the independent version. And then when he got signed to a major label, he blew up and became really big and popular. And it might sound comical to some, but I was traipsing around cosplaying Vanilla Ice before cosplaying was a thing. So, did you really like, did you like shave your hair? Yeah. Not, yeah. I had. I this... totally
2: see you doing it too. That's the funny thing.
1: I had the zigzags and the lines shaved into the sides of my head and like the long tail braided that he had. And I would buy the clothes that he was wearing. You're kidding. Like, it, I never yeah. knew this, that it yeah. went this far. It didn't last very long, though. It no, was... <laughs> I mean. I think you could tack that
2: onto pretty much any sentence that includes Vanilla Ice in it. (laughs) I used to try to replicate the outfits and whatnot. So, like, I think Ice is a funny dude, totally self-aware, loads of charisma. But I think that now, back in the day, it was a different story for me. It was like people i knew like it, the boys weren't supposed to like him it felt like
1: yeah and that might have been like two things because maybe you're a year older than us and you know you were from new york the, so. well it was like a, <laughs> kind of like um
2: it was the same situation with the new kids a few years prior yeah it's like uh-uh if you like these people you, you can like them but you like them in private
1: yeah, see, I I wasn't afraid to admit that I liked New Kids. I thought their songs were really good. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, with with Vanilla Ice was actually it was cool to like Vanilla Ice in my school. We were Hammer loyalists. Yeah, I mean we all liked Hammer also, and and it was like half the kids liked Hammer, then other kids liked both, but then there was like a lot of Vanilla Ice kids. Too. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a weird. So talk. do you
2: have any like pictures of you in the Ice garb?
1: I might have you something. You
2: do. You just don't want to admit it.
1: No, I might have something, but I don't know if I would ever share it with anybody. It's too I, 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 the listeners really, really want you to put it on your Instagram. <laughs> well, I'll just Photoshop uh, my face. In, I'll face swap <laughs> myself onto <some laughs> an <I'll face>
0: <laughs> sampled them from him, but it's not the same baseline. Uh, like it goes ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding That's the way there's goes As those ding ding, ding 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 ding. Ding 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 ding. Number 8. El terror continua. Con 24 nuevos y terroríficos monster in my pocket que vienen en tu chocolate juguete de moda. One of my all-time favorite toy lines debuted in
2: 1990, and Mm. I think it actually would have been more at home in the 80s. Monster in my pocket.
1: I know exactly why you're saying that, too.
2: Well, I mean, it was very much like muscle, muscle and yeah. battle beasts. Right. And for a while, it seemed like these tiny action figures had fallen out of fashion. So I was very glad to see Monster in My Pocket bring it back for a while. They were so collectible. They were just so collectible, man. Yeah, yeah. If uh, any of you have never heard of this line, which I can't imagine that that would be the case, because why would you be listening to this podcast <laughs> if you don't know what that is? It's a huge line of these little rubber monster figures in neon colors. Like an inch, maybe an inch and a half tall. Yeah. And you could like buy them in four packs and I think in 12 packs. So pretty much any kid who collected them had like a whole bucket's worth. Yeah. I want to make a confession to you though. Okay. This is really why I wanted to bring this up. I've never told this story. All right. Back in 1990, I was at a Toys R Us staring at one of the, I think they were... Eight or 12 packs, whatever one had, like that little window box that showed you one of the rare figures. Uh huh. And it was uh, this guy called the Great Beast, who is this like seven headed dragon demon. Mm. And I wanted that motherfucker. <laughs> so this was my first experience with shoplifting.
1: Oh, God. Yeah,
2: I dug my finger in that package and I pocketed that Great Beast. <laughs> oh. And then I spent the rest of like the week just convinced that I was going to be arrested. Like, every time the phone rang, I would just lose it. Your heart would start beating. Right, as if the police force really had the bandwidth to, like, track down a kid who stole exactly one monster in my pocket figure from Toys R Us. <laughs> I couldn't even enjoy them. Do you still have them? Uh Well, I do. I don't know if it's the original. I probably yeah. buried the original in the backyard or something. Like, that oh, is... my God, I got to bury the evidence.
1: I got to say, if you're going to steal anything, you know, worthwhile, it's probably a monster in my pocket. Well, it was just,
2: it was just so easy
1: to get them. Yeah. You know, one like just pluck the box and
2: pull it out. And I don't know what came over me. I'd been going to Toys R Us for years. It was always a model customer. <sighs> it's just something about a seven-headed dragon demon frog dude. You're still banned from that Toys R Us, aren't you? No, no exactly yeah. I'm not. And believe me, they made their money back for me
1: over the years. Yeah. One of the cool things about the Monster in My Pocket series, especially the early ones, mm-hmm. is that being that they were like multicolored. At first, I, when I was a kid, it, it bothered me that they weren't painted accurately to their actual likenesses. Right. Like, if you got the, the Kraken, it wouldn't always be green. Sometimes it would be red. But, like, when you look at the sculpt of each one, like, they're actually really super detailed. So beautiful. The multicolors actually makes it cooler because I always think, I'm like, well, if they were painted perfectly and they looked exactly like... Their likeness, I think that defeats the purpose of what these are supposed to be. Right, you know? it was
2: almost like they were creating them like a gateway drug with kids who weren't necessarily all about monsters, but who were about to be, baby. <laughs> I mean, but, the little and, monster figures that look like Starburst candy.
1: They do. <laughs> but, and like you said, um, you know, they were they were a product of the time because of muscle and some of the other ones that came out at the time. Right,
2: And nowadays it's like, if you go to Toys R Us now, there's a whole aisle of these little figures. Mm -hmm. I don't think people understand that there was a point where there was none of this shit. There was a big drought for a long time. Yeah, you're right. Mini
1: figures are so popular right now and it all ties back to stuff like this. Right. Yeah.
2: But when monster in my pocket was out, they were like the only ones really that were worth getting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I will take this opportunity to say that, the Howlers, the monster in my oh, pocket. Howlers. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, so, for those who
2: don't remember the story from our 16 previous shows, Jay went to a flea market, a punk rock flea market, and got a monster in my pocket Howlers figure. It lights up and makes a noise when you press a button on its fucking belly. It only cost him five bucks.
1: I'm going to tell that story like it's back to the beach and it's like the humongous cowabunga from down on. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> oh, so... I
2: love the Howler story.
1: But I will say earlier, I, when I was uh, preparing for the show this evening, I typed in "monster in my pocket Howler" and bam, my picture was the first one that came oh, up. Oh, that's 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 something to be proud of. <laughs> that's the shit. I want to see if let me see if you're right about that. Okay. <laughs> <gasps> ah, there it is. <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. There it is. <laughs> Old Dracula. Yeah, that guy. He's so awesome. Oh. <laughs> With his beady eyes. Oh, man. I think our next show should be dedicated to this one Monster in Right Pocket <laughs> Howler.
0: Number nine. What kind of shoes do you wear? Pops. I can't wait to meet you. There's um, a Roy Rogers on Main. Maybe there at 6. I'll be in a red convertible. Bye. Soon, Roy Rogers will become Hardee's. We're keeping Roy's delicious chicken and adding breakfast biscuits. Yo, babe. Is there a Roy Rogers around here? Roy Rogers? It'll seem
1: confusing at first.
2: Never heard of it.
1: But you'll thank us later. So that was a Hardee's commercial. Oh. (laughs) So... At the time in 1990, the restaurant chain, the fast food restaurant chain, Hardee's, was converting 220 Roy Rogers locations into Hardee's restaurants. Man, and th- we didn't really have Hardee's around by me. No. If you wanted to drive an hour, you can probably get to one. Right. It's just When I was a kid, I didn't have a car or a license, so right, you weren't that. You didn't <laughs> get to control that kind of stuff. Yeah. So this was a commercial that aired around that time that was promoting. The, I guess, sort of like the merger that they did. Right. The corporate takeover. Yeah. And I vividly remember this commercial that aired because it was just so friggin' bizarre. And if not for the wonders of YouTube, I think it would be lost to the ages. But in all her glory, it's a pre X Files Jillian Anderson. Yes. Looking like super hot.
2: Yeah. And she's much more like sensual. There's no pantsuit here.
1: Right. Talk about that. Talk about sensual. Is that like, this is a Hardee's commercial. You're thinking like close-up shots of a sexy for piece of fried chicken, yep, you know, or like a burger or something. But in the opening scene, you see the Roy Rogers sign getting switched with a hardy sign, and there's like dudes like welding and shit. Yeah, yeah. And like the scream guy was like on the phone with, and they're doing like a sex hotline. And he's like, "What kind of shoes do you wear?" Oh my God. And she's like pumps and i don't think she meant reebok pumps i'm pretty sure that that was like intended as a sexual innuendo and there's a quick shot of her face as she's showering yeah why is she showering in a fucking hardy's know. commercial no like so like you could sort of say this is like a sequel to my laura brannigan story that i told because there's a dude that pulls up in a car because they they're like yeah let's meet at six at the roy rogers on main it, street
2: exactly like the fucking lauren brannigan
1: video <laughs> so it's like okay i'll be a Actually, wait, he sounded like he was Wolverine. He's like, okay, I'll be in a red convertible. <laughs> yeah, but he looked
2: like the guy who sang Hot, Hot, Hot. It yeah. Was so,
1: it was so weird. Well, that's what – it gets even, like, more bizarre because the guy that does roll up, he rolls up in this convertible, and he looks at Jillian Anderson, and he's trying to be all suave about it, but when he looks sadder, he looks like a doofus, like, real awkwardly, like he's hitting on a waitress at, like, Hooters. Right. You know, but, like, this guy, if you watch it closely, like, a 100 times like I did – You'll notice that the guy has an extremely hard time winking because he winks at her. Oh right? I, gotta, I gotta fucking if, see this! If, I gotta fucking yeah, see this! Yeah, if you keep watching it, you'll notice parties, that he uh... cannot wink. He has to shut the other eye simultaneously to
2: oh, wink. No, 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 I gotta see this shit! I gotta see this
1: shit! <laughs> Fuck this! Hold on. You have to watch it like a hundred times, though. and keep right. going back. It's at the end, right? You might have to go slow too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Alright, let's see. Rogers will become Hardys. We're keeping Roy's delicious chicken and adding breakfast biscuits.
2: Oh my god, he can't <laughs> wink. He looks like he like really is trying to wink. Like oh my god, this is my big moment.
1: Here I go. Then for some reason she yells. Roy Rogers and looks up to see the Hardy sign to see that she luckily doesn't have to oh go god. on a date with this You're...
2: douchebag. <laughs> like I can't get over it because like the more you watch it, the more apparent it is that he is not good at winking. <laughs> it's like both eyes are completely closed. Why is this adding breakfast biscuits? Your babe.
0: Oh
2: my god. Is that really the best take? They probably spent
1: 250 grand on this commercial. <laughs> It was, like, the high production value. But this guy, like, they're making him a Guido, like, totally. He's like, yo, babe, is it, can you show me how to wink? Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, Gillian Anderson is putting on a British accent, even though I have no idea why, because I didn't think she oh, was Oh, is Br- she? I didn't notice yeah. that. Oh, let me see. You're, you're right. And, like, even one of the commenters on YouTube said, like, I think she's putting on a British accent. <laughs> why?
2: Ugh, this yeah. Is
1: just so... You know, it's already
2: a hard concept to fucking swallow. Hey yeah. everyone, we're turning all these Roy Rogers into Hardys, but we're going to still serve fried chicken and biscuits from Roy's.
1: And the commercial's going to be like a phone sex thing.
2: Right. So it's like, it's already it's... a tough message to digest, and it's a lot harder to figure out what's going on when you have Jillian <laughs> Anderson in a fucking shower.
1: And the punchline made no damn
2: sense. None at all. <laughs> I, I don't think I could name another time that so much money and effort went into something so fucking horrible. <laughs>
1: Like, what a hidden gem, though, because you have, okay, hot Gillian Anderson, and then bam, two years later, Hardy's reconverted those 220 locations back to Roy Rogers' locations. And that's the happy ending, because everyone knows that Roy's is better than Hardy's. I think we should go there. If there's, like, a girl behind the counter, we'll start winking at her uncontrollably. Yeah, well, that's one way to get some free chicken. <laughs> Please go away. Just take the fucking thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Number 10.
1: Let's go! Big boy Caprice, Flat Talk, Prune Face, Mumbles, Lips Manless, and The Blank are out
0: to get the greatest detective of all time. I'm rubbing him out.
1: I want him dead! Nobody touches Tracy but me. Tracy, Tracy. Tracy? You mind if I call you Dick? When it's time to fight crime, he's your man. Warren Beatty is Dick Tracy. Starts Friday, June 15th at a theater near you. So,
2: as fate would have it, another movie that rocked my world just as much as Gremlins 2 came out on the very same day. Calling Dick Tracy. Calling, Calling Dick Tr- Tracy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love this movie. Yep. Like some people don't get it, but I think the real situation is that the people who say they don't get it have never tried to get it because Dick Tracy is not a fucking old-timey crime drama. It is an awesome monster movie. It really like, is. Have you, like, the villains look like fucking Xenobites.
1: Yes, they're crazy. It was so creative looking. And, like, there is no reason why it didn't, like, warrant three sequels. Oh, man, there was that rumor a while back that we were actually going to get
2: the sequel after all this time. I know,
1: I know. Yeah, way to get yeah. my hopes up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like at, like after Batman came out, then like the, the floodgates opened and uh, all the movie studios were trying to come out with their own kind of superhero. And that was like what Disney came out with.
2: <laughs> right, right. But I have to say, like, as much as like this probably doesn't have the same. I mean, I know it doesn't have the same sort of support as Batman 89 did. Mm-hmm. It's very much for me, the, the Batman 89 of 1990. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that actually ties into the story I want to tell you. Can't wait. Let's hear. Uh, so I told you my Joker dress up story on the Batman episode. Yes. I have one uh Dick Tracy version for you. Oh god. So I was desperate for one of those long trench coats that the villains wear. Yeah. I really wanted the royal blue one that Itchy wore. uh uh-huh. Oh I fucking wanted. It. That's so bad. But <laughs> You can't find, like, these long, colorful mob trench coats for little kids. So, whatever.
1: <laughs> one yeah, day... Mob, mob trench coats. Yeah, once it's like, the they don't have us. that,
2: you know, in the Macy's kids' department. It's like, yeah. You know, there's overalls and shit like that. But you're not going to find long, blue mafia trench coats. Yeah. So, one day, I'm out with my sister and her husband, and they gave me a gift. It was the official Dick Tracy costume. I guess it was a Halloween costume. hmm And it just consisted of this, like, long, thin, bright yellow Dick Tracy trench coat. Yeah. But you know that cheap ass costume material. It's basically like wearing a big yellow tablecloth. <laughs> yeah. it wasn't the one I wanted, but in a pinch it was better than nothing.
1: Yeah.
2: Problem was, they gave that to me in the car when we were on our way to eat at the fucking Sizzler. And I don't have to tell you where this is going. <laughs> they probably didn't plan on me insisting to wear the Dick Tracy Halloween trench coat throughout dinner. <laughs> Like so, picture me going back and forth to the Sizzler buffet at the tail end of fucking summer, wearing a dick traced <laughs> Halloween fucking costume.
1: I can see you at the at the ice cream part of the Sizzler, yeah, like, getting all
2: toppings. It's like oh my god, people were practically throwing the chicken bones at me. It was fucking crazy. Like you just, I was actively ruining everyone's time. I don't know what it was, but they did not like it. <laughs> Oh, that
1: is awesome.
2: But what a doofy fucking kid I was to think that this actually looked okay.
1: Like, <laughs> this know, was okay to do. I would have thought that was cool. If I was a kid and I seen you in there, I would have been like, yo, that is just badass, bro.
2: <laughs> the thing is, I might have been verging very close to the sixth grade by this point.
1: <laughs> it's- I got to be honest with you. I was just as big of a Dick Tracy fan as you. I didn't get the costume, but the first thing I bought, actually, me and my best friend, we bought this um, this watch. Oh, the two way wrist radio. Yeah, it was the watch because we said, "Well, geez, if you're gonna get anything from this movie to sort of act out, right? You know, you want the watch. Yeah, that's it's, that's it's what you walkie need. Walkie talkies
2: you know? and a toy all in one. Yeah."
1: So we had the watch and we thought we were so cool. <laughs> so did
2: it work the way they advertised
1: it? I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I guess. It was like, but it was just more of a novelty. Yeah. Yeah, it is such a great movie. It is classic and there's so many great lines. Actually, the other night when we were hanging out, I was doing Big Boy. <laughs> That's right. You were. You do a pretty good Big Boy. <laughs> yeah, you got it right away. Yep. <laughs> uh, Can we hear a little bit of it? You get behind me, we all profit. You challenge me, we all go down. There was <laughs> one Napoleon One Washington, one me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I wish I just had a button I could press to just make you do that wherever you are at any time of day.
1: (laughs) Al Pacino is just so phenomenal in this movie. Yeah,
2: that's the thing about this movie is that like everyone who's in it, they were all committed to the ridiculousness. Al Pacino had to be really fucking stupid in this movie, and he did it so well. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's giving attention to DeVito's Penguin nowadays. Mm-hmm. Don't forget Big Boy
1: Caprice. Yeah, I'd love to see. Let's get a sequel, Warren Beatty.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Warren Beatty on the Purple Stuff Podcast. <laughs>
1: That's a great impression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been
2: working on it all day.
1: <laughs> so wait, before you before we go, yeah. your favorite was uh you said Itchy or oh, I fucking love uh, Itchy. He's your favorite guy.
2: Oh, Jay, I used yeah. to actually, like, insist on my friends call me itchy, and I used to pretend to be itchy. I used to, like, go, I remember distinctly, We remember, we've talked about uh, CCD, One, yeah. you know, the one-hour-a-week Catholic class, whatever. Yep. I remember, like, sitting there pretending that I was itchy, just scratching myself the whole class. And the teacher's like, what's going, what's wrong with you? I'm like, stop it. I was just she committed.
1: Thought had, she thought you had chickenpox, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm just like, no, I just, you know, I think this is, this is my fashion. I itch
1: just listening to to all of this bullshit that we're talking about like you thought you were itchy i thought i was vanilla ice we got fucking problems yeah (laughs)
2: we're fucking i mean it's no wonder that we're both 56 and running a podcast about you know dick tracy and gremlins too (laughs)
0: number 11
1: That was the theme song to the NBA on NBC, and that was from the. <laughs> yes, like, it like, was seriously. Really. It was yeah, it was from a sport, <laughs> but no, okay. So that's a classic theme song by John Tesh, Woo! the guy. Uh, he used to be half the uh, half the team of Entertainment Tonight. Yep. But he was also a composer, right? And let me get into this because I know we don't talk about sports on the show. And rightfully so, because this is not about sports. But it was a big part of pop culture at one time. When NBA was at its height, I would say, like, the 80s and 90s was a huge period of time for professional basketball.
2: I'll, I'll take your word for it.
1: I know you're going to be zoning out with sports talk, but let's be honest. Like, I'm only a casual sports fan, but, like, back in the 80s and 90s, the NBA was at... The height, you couldn't believe. So nothing would compare to the rivalries and the drama and the product tie-ins, the sneakers, the video games. And, like, every kid wanted to be... Scotty Pippen. Yeah, or their basketball hero on whatever team they liked, you Which know? the only player I know. <laughs> and it was just a great time to be a basketball fan. But, uh, you know, I'd play out in the yard every day and with my friends in the league. But when the games were on TV and you heard that theme song play... It, like, got you charged up, but it meant business. It was serious. Like, we were about to get, like, a really competitive sports ball contest, you know? Yeah. Well, I got
2: to tell you, though, I mean, I don't remember watching basketball, but I heard this theme, and I knew every beat, so it must have been just as big as you're saying.
1: Yeah, it was totally in pop culture, you know? And, like, the Monday Night Football theme song from back in the day, that that had nothing on this. This was the best. And without this theme song, I don't think my memories watching basketball on TV would be as favorable— so thank you, John Tesh, for quite possibly one of the best sports theme songs of all time.
2: Or even just best themes. I mean, that shit yeah. feels like it should be playing over a montage of clips that condense the timeline of the entire universe into 30 seconds. Like, <laughs> it, There is nothing that is too epic for that song. I agree.
1: Yeah. And like we often spotlight music on the show and we're never going to do like a sports show. So I wanted to shoehorn this in there just because that's how... I'm, how good I feel about this song. No,
2: and I think you're going to find a lot of people saying the same thing that I did, that they didn't think that this would connect with them in any way. But anyone who grew up then, for some reason,
1: I would think, know that song.
2: Yeah. and you There's know something about it. Like, did they use it, it for other things, too? Like, well, where the fuck was that?
1: How do I know this song? Well, this is what's interesting about it. And I was going to bring up exactly what you're saying. Because even when you're not a sports fan, like, I'm not a big sports fan. But when you're a kid, say it's Thanksgiving and your uncle wants to watch the game and he's on the couch drinking a beer watching, you know, the Pistons or whatever. You right, know, it's right. like it's like you you hear this in the background. You heard that for like 10 years straight in every holiday. I guess you're right.
2: That must be what it is. It's just, it was always there. Yeah. Somebody yeah. was always watching a game. It's almost like it has a hidden message in it, though. It's a very addictive theme. <laughs> yeah. it's like once you hear it once, you just want to slide back the bar and hear it again.
1: I know. <laughs> Two, three, four. ba 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 basketball Give me, give me, give me the ball Because I'm gonna dunk it! Woo! Ba-ba-ba-ba-basketball Give me, give me, give me the ball Because I'm
0: gonna dunk it! Number 12
1: <laughs> To be cool and be somewhat respectable Pick up Pepsi in these Hype receptacles Cool cans are coming so don't be afraid And if you get lucky then you might get paid Yo, yo stop kicking your pace better quicken before they run out or the clock stops ticking really i'm not kidding
0: with cool cans you can win dancing cans got
2: it 1990 saw the debut of pepsi's cool cans that's awesome all right good i was worried there for a second yeah no these were huge so this is the thing like i'm glad you feel this way because i think this is going to be a tough sell if someone didn't grow up with them these days, we wouldn't really be interested in something like this. Like, we might be amused, but it wouldn't kind of, like, mean anything to us. Mm. But back in 1990, the idea of getting Pepsi cans with, like, distinct, exclusive designs that were only going to be around for a limited time, that was hot.
1: Yeah, like, anything limited or different from the norm back right. then was, like, a big deal. So
2: the, the score on this is that Pepsi unleashed four all-new limited edition can designs. They all had, like, kind of, like, a summary party theme. Mm-hmm. And there are two big reasons why people remember Cool Cats. First is its old commercial jingle by Young MC. Oh, yeah,
1: Young MC was the man. You know,
2: Cool Cats are coming, so don't be afraid. That one. <laughs> I can't rap. Well, I mean, that's, well, really I mean, cr- that's apparently that's not more yet. Your- yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the other reason was that uh, one of the designs was it's like abstract neon over black. Mm-hmm. And someone figured out that if you stacked two of those cans in just the right way, they spelled out the word sex.
1: Yeah, you, you, I I remember that.
2: Yeah, and like there's a Snopes entry about this, but this is like a real thing that
1: everyone used to do back then. It's interesting you said that, like how you can say you know, there's a Snopes article that anybody could go out and read, but back then it was urban legend. You're like, hey yo, did you see these cans that you could spell sex out? With? Like. What? like what are you talking about and then you would <laughs> let's go get some pepsi <laughs> it was the same thing we were talking about on one show about like three men and a baby like you didn't know these things unless like one of your friends who was in the know came and told you about right it, right or an older and, sibling or something
2: and like. then you wanted to be part of the club so you had to find out for yourself right and I mean, it was just a coincidence and you had to kind of squint to see it but mm-hmm. that didn't stop us from thinking that pepsi was all like edgy and hip yeah like oh look at me i'm
1: drinking soda that has part of the word sex on it oh take me to the club (laughs) well i mean there's like two huge reasons that okay young mc is in your commercial that's a win right there Mm -hmm. right and they love always telling you especially back in the 80s and 90s like sex sells right so they're selling it directly to kids you know (laughs) yep yep yep. and like those cans were beautiful there's like they're so nice looking I just remember, it sticks out in my head, the can you're talking about with like the black can with the neon lights on it. I mean, that was obviously-
2: I still think to this day, that's probably the best Pepsi can, maybe even one of the best soda cans in general. Yeah, it's one of the best. there have
1: ever been. And I did like the other one with the the girl with the sunglasses on as well. Uh, But I remember, I think I had all the cans at one point. They were just so collectible. And there was other times when- I think uh, Coke even copied, I, I'm pretty I'm sure, sure. they did. The same I'm type sure they thing. did. But,
2: I mean, eventually it became like in fashion. Like, both Coke and Pepsi were constantly doing it. So, it, you know, Pepsi did like Christmas cans 100,000 times. So, yeah, kind of lost its appeal. Right. But back then, I'm glad you mentioned it because I collected them too. Like, we actually made sets and just like laid them in our dressers.
1: Yeah, I did the same thing. That was what, it was so odd because at one point I had, I think every Coke and Pepsi can... Like every variation of every can, like whether it was diet, diet, caffeine free, caffeine free, you know, every freaking right. can. And they were all empty and yeah. they were just around my room. And I'm like, at some point in my life, I'm like, I have to get rid of these freaking cans. And now I look back and I'm like, if I only had the cans. <laughs> I like, if <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they should do some more uh, trendy cans this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I still feel like they do those kind of things now, but we're kind of desensitized because it's happened so many times. Maybe if they got Young MC back and...
1: Yeah, because you'll go through Target and you'll see, like, special edition labels and you're like, ah, oh, whatever. You're right, right, right. yeah, because you don't even care anymore. They've It's been there just one done... of those
2: things that was a product of its time. I don't think you could ever put that lightning back in the bottle or in the aluminum can, as the case may be here. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> those were a bunch of great picks. I hope they were. I mean, we covered Soda Cans and Madonna videos and John Tesh themes and Gremlins too. It's a pretty awesome podcast as far as
1: I'm concerned. It is. But now I did go first. I, I won the, well, did I win or lose? I guess this depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Uh, and I had to go first. So if I can, I'd like to throw in a little bonus because I did go first, if you don't mind. All right. What do you got? Okay. So I couldn't go without dropping this trivia question on you. Okay. Oh, okay.
2: All right. No Googling, in... huh? No Googling.
1: Right, no Googling. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. Uh, no, 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 no keys. In the summer of 1990, mm-hmm. what popular athlete uh-huh. suffered serious injuries in a parasailing accident? Oh, my God. It was Brutus. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my god
1: (laughs) oh wow that was a that bonus was certainly (laughs) worth the extra time now as we wrap up uh looking back at each other's as we always do uh, what is your pick for my set of okay. 1990 memories? Oh, boy. Hmm. I'm just going to pick my favorite. Yeah, that's fine.
2: I'm going to give you points on the Hardee's commercial tonight.
1: Ah. I want to say
2: Home Alone. Yeah. But the fact that you pulled this fucking random commercial about <laughs> Roy Rogers restaurants turning into Hardee's
1: restaurants as a as a key focal point of 1990... That took balls. I, I was actually proud of it, but it really was not for the same reason. It was more because Jillian Anderson looked so damn hot in that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Out of yours, I mean, as much as I love Gremlins Two and Dick Tracy, I think the the dark horse here is Monster in My Pocket. Real? Oh,
2: yeah. yeah of, of course you're gonna say that. You're just, <laughs> you're just fishing around for another Howlers reference. <laughs> Can so, we... All right, all right. Now that, now that the cat's out of the bag, we know that you are completely obsessed with the howler. I have a request. Okay. I want you to go get that motherfucker because I know you know where he is. Yeah. And I want to hear him to end the podcast.
1: Okay, I'm going to get him. I'll be right back. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Watch this. He'll be back in five
2: seconds. I'm telling you, this thing is never like within more than more than like five feet of him.
1: I've been waiting... I've been waiting for this moment all of my life. <laughs> I got him. Okay, I'm going to count hope you down. hope it still works. Okay. Oh, it better work. All right. You're going to count me down? Yeah. Okay. Five, four,
2: three, two, one.
1: <laughs> Is that not the most terrifying noise? Oh my God, it's so great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh boy.
2: <sighs> okay, so, I think that we've ended on the highest note possible. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> the Purple Stuff Podcast, episode Ep- 29. <laughs> Well, thanks everybody for joining us. I am Jay from the Sexy Armpit.
2: And I am Matt from Dinosaur Dracula.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Purple Stuff Podcast.